Thanks for listening to the Mama Love It podcast. This is your host, Kendra Lovett. This is a podcast about surrogacy, motherhood, and fertility. Enjoy! Okay. Hey, Heather. How's it going? Good. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for joining. I'm excited. Good. Me too. So I'm going to tell the listeners just a little bit about you. Um, Heather was actually, I think, the first surrogate that I ever met in person. And this was many years ago. So um, when was your surrogacy journey? It was in uh, 2008. Okay. So yeah, we're going on 11 years ago. So I remember when I met Heather and I learned about her story and I thought, wow, that is wild. (laughs) And uh, definitely sparked my interest, which I think was already there. Um, So yeah, that was, that really stuck out to me uh, meeting you. And I'm really grateful you shared your story with me then at the time. It was, it was memorable, very memorable. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So Heather, go ahead and tell us just a little bit about you, um, your family and what you do for work. Okay. Well, um, I have been, um, a mom of two at the time when I, um, initially wanted to look into being a surrogate. Um, I had Um, very easy pregnancies with both of my daughters and the idea of being able to help somebody else have a family was um, was ideal for me and I spoke with my husband about it as well and he was super excited to be able to do that and at the time my best friend had had numerous miscarriages and she was um, initially the person that I was considering doing the the process for and then she ended up having a viable pregnancy and she didn't need me anymore so I kind of put the idea on the back burner and then um, the more I thought about it the more I um, was just driven to do it And I don't know what it was um, that really pushed me to to want to do that. But um, it was just, I guess it's because I'm such a giver that um, it really fulfilled that that need that I have to be able to help other people. And um, it was an incredible um, journey for me and my family. It was very healing because I had just lost my brother that year. So it was really, really serendipitous for us to be able to have something positive that we could all focus our energy on and, um, and creating a family for uh, a couple. And it was just, it was amazing and wonderful. And after I was the surrogate, I actually um, was able to stop working where I was um, doing front desk at a chiropractic office and go to massage school to get my um, degree to be able to do that. And um, that's now what I have been doing for the last 11 years. And it was one of the best decisions I ever made. That's great. I love that because I feel yeah. like that happens for a lot of surrogates, you know, yeah. 
it's a win-win. Um, you're giving the gift of life and you are also in return having the financial part um, for your family. And oftentimes right. you, that allows you to change careers or go back to exactly. school. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And then after, um, after I completed massage school and I started working um, for myself and not having to work 40 hours a week, the idea of having another baby came um, really, really full force to me again. And so we ended up um, having another baby after, and she just turned eight in March. Yeah, and that's great so. to hear too, because oftentimes I think surrogates feel like they need to be done with their family before being a surrogate, but really- And that's what I thought. Surrogates. Yeah, yeah I thought I was done. Right. right, you thought you were, but you went on to have another <laughs> successful pregnancy after your surrogacy. Yeah. Yep, yep. Great. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about how your family and your friends reacted when you first told them that you wanted to be a surrogate. <laughs> well, um, my husband was very supportive. He thought I was crazy, but he also understood my crazy. So he was very supportive. Um, and most of my friends thought I was just insane. Um, specifically, my employer thought I was really crazy. And um, I think back now, when I think back on it, I think she was just, um, she was concerned of my ability to continue to work. Sure. And um, I was the only employee at the time, so it made it um, extra difficult for them to be able to um, fill my position that I'd been trying to get them to hire an assistant for forever. So uh -huh. it kind of it made them do that anyway. <laughs> nice. But um, my family, um, specifically my, um, my girls and um, my parents were uh, extremely supportive. They thought it was an amazing, uh, amazing thing to do. That's great. And then um, did that support continue throughout your journey? Did you feel supported? Definitely. While you were Definitely. Good. That's awesome. Um, what about when you would see people, strangers, you know, at the grocery store and <laughs> on the street? Well, what were your experiences? Um, my, um, my husband loved to mess with people <laughs> because I carried twins okay. and um, he would um, hear side comments when people are going like, whoa, she's, you know, about to pop or, oh my gosh, look at how big she is. And my husband would always say things like, yeah, and if I find the jerk that did it, you know, <laughs> um, <laughs> he, he totally shocked the ultrasound tech at one point um, because um, they were looking, I had had a, um, a huge growth spurt with the twins and they were concerned about, um, having a cyst in there or um, maybe a, another baby that they didn't see or something. They were just really concerned. And so we did an ultrasound and the tech was like, you know, hopefully we're not going to find another one in there. And my husband goes, Oh, it doesn't matter to me. They're not mine anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so he had a lot of fun with that. <laughs> oh, my husband liked to mess around like that too. When I was carrying yeah. a surrogate. Yeah. Yeah. Funny. Yeah. It was funny. <laughs> <sighs> So, um, 
I'd like you to also share a little bit about your experience working with an agency. You, I know you worked with an agency. You were not independent. Um, right. And I'd like to hear about what kind of support you received from your agency um, for your intake and also throughout your journey. Um, okay. And then I'd, I'd like you to also talk about the support you received after delivery. Okay. Okay. Well, um, um, the initial, um, when I first signed up with them and they, um, they were very interested in having me sign up with them. Um, they wanted to fly me down to their facility to do, a complete physical and psych evaluation and all that stuff. And, um, it was, um, very, very comfortable, you know, oddly comfortable actually, um, through that whole process. And then, um, once they did the background checks on both me and my husband to make sure we're not crazy. Um, and then, um, when we first started, uh, receiving the information on the perspective matches of think people that we thought they thought we would work well with, um, we ended up um, reading the profile of the first couple that they sent to us and we instantly um, were um, very intrigued and wanted to meet them. So they flew us down and we, we met them and within the first five minutes of meeting them, it felt like we were introduced to old friends that we already knew. So um, it was, it was very, very um, surreal at how comfortable we all were. In fact, after the meeting, we continued um, to hang out for most of that afternoon. They took us out to lunch. They drove us to the airport. And we all talked about how strangely comfortable um, the first meeting was and how instantly connected we felt. Mm. And, um, and then they started the, um, the tracking my cycle and um, then started the hormone therapy stuff. And that was brutal mm. um, simply because of the fact that I don't know what um, today's um, standards are, but um, when I did it, we had to do um, injections yes. every day. Mm -hmm. And um, I couldn't get anybody to assist me in the injections. And they had to go directly into the... Um, the low back and glute area. Mm -hmm. And I was um, not very good at being able to administer the injections um, without harming myself. Sure. So after um, we went down, um, I flew down for the um, embryo transfer and we were discussing my discomfort with the injections specifically. And um, one of the parents was talking with the, uh, the nurse about my um, continued discomfort with it. And she tried to downplay it. And then he said, no, look at this. And he had me show them my pelvis. And I looked like I had been in some nasty street fight. I mean, I was black and blue from from basically mid thigh all the way up to my lower back. And wow. um, the practitioner was like, oh my goodness, I can't even believe that you continued this, you know, torture to yourself. Yeah. And so they ended up calling the doctor in and the doctor okayed for me to take a pill form 
um, instead of doing the injections. And that made a world of difference. Yeah. Um, which I was really thankful for. Yeah, that's um, wonderful and, that they were willing to yeah. work with you. Yeah, I was I was pretty um, pretty upset about um, my pain levels and stuff, and and um, the doctors just kept telling me, no, it's fine. Everybody complains about it, and then when they saw what I was talking about, they were like, oh my goodness, yeah, <laughs> no wonder. <laughs> yeah, so that's if, not okay. If my husband hadn't been so afraid of needles, I don't think it would have been as much of an issue to have help. But because I didn't have any help, that's mm. why it was the way it was. Um, and then that ended up um, not being a successful attempt. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then they um, they ended up finding out that that um, the egg donor um, did not um, have viable eggs. So then they had to go back through the whole process to find a new egg donor, mm -hmm. and then they paired our cycles again. And we started the whole process over again. And then she ended up developing too many follicles and we had to pull the plug on it and um, stop and wait for everything to start over again. So it was a long drawn out process. Um, but I was, I was very, um, very willing and patient to go through it because I know that um, the end result is what we were all going for. Yeah. So it was um, it was hard, but it wasn't something that made me want to step away from it in any way. That's amazing. Yeah. So, and then after um, the um, the third time, things went really well, and um, my um, they got me my cycle paired up with hers very easily, and we ended up um, doing the embryo transfer and. Um, I remember going back to the hotel that afternoon and they wanted me on bed rest and everything. And, um, I remember watching some silly movie on the pay-per-view or something and bawling my head off for <laughs> over an hour after the sappy movie was over. And then I realized, okay, I'm definitely pregnant this time. <laughs> Already this feeling is, the side effects. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yeah, and then we found out 10 days later that we were pregnant and it was successful and, and um, everybody was super excited. Um, and then they ended up, um, I remember having um, tons of contact with the, um, with the, the office um, for a long time until they transferred my care to my local OBGYN. Mm -hmm. and, um, and then from that point on, I didn't really have um, a whole lot of contact through the agency or the doctor side of the agency, okay. but I did have um, support through the, um, the logistical side of it. Um, and I had tons and tons of support um, from the intended parents as well. That's really In fact, they, they were here for every single doctor's appointment. Wow. Okay. And which tell was, us where your intended parents were living. They were living in LA okay. and, and um, they would, California, so. and I was up in Northern California. So they would drive or fly um, for every doctor's appointment. And um, wow. they were there when we found out that we had twins mm -hmm. and they were there for the first ultrasound. They were there for um, almost every single one of the checkups. That's amazing. And 
Yeah, it was, I did not lack for support. That's great. And were any of your support people at the agency at any of your appointments? Did they attend your transfer, the birth? No. Okay. No. Okay. Yeah, and I ended up having a premature membrane rupture um, with the twins and got transported to UCSF um, at... I think it was 29 weeks, five days Mm -hmm. when I was transferred. And then the twins were born like one one day shy of 32 weeks. Okay. So were you at UCSF from 26 weeks until? Yeah. Yeah. Or sorry, did you say 29 weeks? 29 weeks. 29. Yeah. So I was pregnant. I was there for, they kept me pregnant for another 11 days. Wow. Mm -hmm. Which I didn't know was possible. Uh-huh. How was that for you? It it was hard. I ended up um, spending Thanksgiving in the hospital mm-hmm. and away from my family, which was really hard. Yeah. Um, it was also the first Thanksgiving without my brother, so it was mm-hmm. extra hard. Yeah. Um, but um, my parents had come down and they were there with me, and it kind of it was um, it was difficult for everybody, but we we made the best of it. That's great. Yeah, yeah. Good positive outlook. Yeah, exactly. And then, um, so then you had the twins. And I had the twins, yep. How did your post-delivery look for you? Um, I ended up um, having to have a, um, I got to have the twins natural. I had to fight to do that because they didn't think that I was going to be able to do it. And, um, I was able to have them natural, but they had to do a breech extraction with the second baby, Mm -hmm. um, because he had turned in during labor. And so they did the breech extraction and we ended up having an extremely difficult time getting the placenta to detach. Mm. And, um, they, um, tried a manual, um, detachment, um, which was very, very uncomfortable. And I was not, um, I don't remember any of it. I was on drugs at the time, but I was told that I tried to climb off the table. I told them to get away from me. I did all kinds of cussing. I threatened to hit people. Um, (laughs) it was, (laughs) it was not fun. Um, and then difficult time. Yeah. And then, um, they had me, um, hooked up to um, IV fluids for um, from the time I delivered until I think it was like 24 hours later and they actually had overdone the hydration and I ended up with a huge amount of edema in my um, legs and um, that was not fun at all Um, and then I got to see the twins for the first time I'm actually the um, the um, first one that got to hold them when they were 11 days old. I got to hold them for the first time together, Aww. and that was really cool. Um, but I ended up um, having to have uh, a DNC at eight weeks postpartum because uh, I developed a uterine infection. They weren't able, apparently they weren't able to get all of the placenta detached. Mm. And I ended up with that infection and then we did the DNC and I was okay after that. Great. And but I still pumped, um, I pumped breast milk for them because they were born. I was planning on doing it anyway, but they were born at 
three and a half pounds a piece mm. and I wanted to get them nice and fat real fast. Yeah. So, yeah. um, so I pumped, um, breast milk for, um, the first eight weeks of pregnancy or of, um, postpartum. Sure. And, um, or maybe it was longer than that and sent it down to them. And then I got to take it to them when they were 11 days old. And, um, that was the time that I got to see them when they were together for the first time side by side. Uh-huh. And that's the last time I saw them. You've never seen them since then. Nope. Never seen them since then. Wow. And how do you feel about that? It's hard. Uh, it's not what we had planned. Mm-hmm. We had, um, we had planned to be in each other's lives. They were going to be um, uncles to our kids and we were going to be in uncles to theirs. And we were super, super close through the whole pregnancy. And then after the delivery, um, I kept trying to maintain contact and, um, you know, send gifts and um, whatever support I could. And they ended up, um, we had a, a falling out because there was uh, a huge chunk of the transport or the medical bills didn't get covered by the insurance. They denied my transport. And so um, a bunch of money got um, sent to collections and we had a falling out because of it. And I tried desperately to not have it happen because I didn't want the money to become between our friendship because I didn't think it had anything to do with the friendship. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, um, that's ended up what happened. And I've tried to rekindle a relationship with them um, two or three different times now, and I've gotten very limited things back. So I don't know if I'll ever actually be able to have a relationship with them, but I would like to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I don't know. And have you gotten to see any pictures of them? The last pictures I saw of them was about um, three years ago, three or four years ago. I think they were seven. It was the last time I saw a picture of them. Okay. And that was probably the last time you really communicated with your intended yeah. parents. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. And so let's talk a little bit about the medical bills. I think that's an important part of this. Um, did yeah. your intended parents end up, end up paying for those medical bills? What ended up happening is after we got the initial denial from the insurance company for my transport, um, we appealed the denial. We ended up contacting the um, charge nurse for the um, the, um, hospital here as well as the the emergency transport dispatch um, and got them to write letters as well, stating that the hospital that we were planning on delivering at, um, the one that I live next to, is not a level to NICU. Mm-hmm. So they can't take any um, incubation younger than 32 weeks. And so they ended up um, trying to get it overturned. The doctor that was on call when I went in um, with the premature membrane rupture did not, um, he refused to sign anything stating that he's the one that made the decision that I get transported, um, even though that's standard protocol. Um, And so it got denied again. And then the uh, intended parents hired an attorney 
that was going to um, help get the the ambulance bills and the air transport negotiated down so that they could pay it. And over a four-year time frame, they kept he kept getting the um, the bills all dropped down and then they would um, say, okay, that sounds great. We'll work on getting the finances put together. We'll get back to you in a, um, in a couple of days. And then those days would pass and they wouldn't do anything and they hadn't heard anything. And finally he got it negotiated down as low as he possibly could. And they said um, that, you know, we'll go ahead and pay it. And then it didn't happen. And timeframes were, you know, just gone. And I contacted the attorney directly and said, you know, what do you think is going on here? This is just ridiculous that they keep saying that they're going to pay it and then they don't. And he said that realistically, this is not the first time that he's seen this happen. And he thinks that what they were trying to do was run out the statute of limitations mm. and um, using my friendship with them as a way to um, postpone it until the statute of limitations wore out. And we tried to have the medical bills taken out of my name and put into theirs, mm -hmm. but the companies refused to do that because they did not administer care to the intended parents. Right. So regardless of um, who the contract was supposed to cover and everything, the, um, the person that they provided care to is who's ultimately responsible for the bills. So I ended up, getting back in contact with the, um, the agency that I initially um, signed up with and told them what was going on. And they were totally surprised. They thought that once the intended parents had hired the attorney, that everything was taken care of. So they had no clue that there was outstanding medical bills. And so they um, stepped in on my behalf and contacted the intended parents and the attorney and said that you need to pay these now. And if it's not handled immediately, not only are you going to have to pay the total balance, not what was negotiated down, but the total balance, you're also going to have to pay punitive damages for the last four years of harassment that Heather's gone through with being um, physically sued numerous times and um, nasty voicemails and constant um, emails from companies and um, constant um, mail through uh, each agency wanting to collect their portion of what was due for my transport. Yeah, that's very stressful for you. And it, it was, it was, you. yeah, it was not, not fun at yeah. all. And it, because of the fact that they um, they did they did finally end up paying the reduced amount, but because they didn't pay the total amount, it stayed on my credit report for another eight years. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So that's a lot that you went through with all the financial burden of dealing with that for years following. Um, so was there ever a time that you felt like you wanted to be a surrogate again? Um, there was a time that I had thought about it, but um, 
the physical toll that I had taken um, because of the um, carrying the twins and then having the um, um, the DNC um, because of the uterine infection, um, it kind of and because of the um, the financial aspect of of being stuck with all the medical stuff, um, medical bills. I I um, it was on the back burner as something that I might consider, um, but um, I wasn't going to jump right back into it again. Mm-hmm. Um, had it gone smoother um, and not having the the medical bills, um, I may have been a little bit more open to doing it again. Mm-hmm. But I definitely would not have been willing to carry twins again. Yeah, it just <laughs> takes a toll. Cause, <laughs> especially for yeah, you I'm, with an early delivery and yeah yeah a lot. yeah exactly yeah yeah so how were your you had two daughters when you were going mm-hmm. through your surrogacy um yep so tell me their ages while you were pregnant and how they felt when you were carrying um my oldest was eight when we started and uh, my youngest was five and a half almost six and um it was actually really easy to explain to them why i was doing what i was doing because they got to meet the intended parents and um it was a male couple Mm-hmm. And um, we were sitting around talking, and um, one of the questions that uh, Matea, my oldest, had asked is, because um, I had said that they had just put the the babies, the eggs in, and she looked at me surprised and asked um, if I was worried that they were going to fall out. <laughs> 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 and I said, no, they they should be fine. Um, they're all tucked in nice and cozy. Um, and then um, we talked a little bit more and everybody laughed about that. And then she looked at me again and she said, well, wait a minute. How does, how does a man fall in love with another man? Mm. And my husband, without skipping a beat, just looked right at her and said, well, honey, you can't choose who you fall in love with. Yeah. What a and, cool lesson for her. Yeah, it was wonderful. And, um, from then on, it was really easy for us to explain the reason why they needed me because they didn't have the right parts to grow a baby. Sure. Yeah. So that's what, that's what my part in it was. So it was really easy. And did you feel like they were connected to the baby while you were carrying? Oh, definitely. Yeah. They were always checking on me. They were all, they loved to sit on my lap and feel the babies move. Mm -hmm. They loved talking to the babies. Um, they loved um, drawing pictures for the babies, and they really stepped it up and um, helped with a lot of the housework and stuff that I couldn't do. Amazing. They were really, really, really supportive at helping, like, carry the laundry basket so that mommy could sit down and fold the laundry, and sweeping floors, and helping wash dishes, and... Um, doing all kinds of things that were um, becoming more and more difficult to do by myself. They were stepping right up and ready to help. That's amazing. Great. So yeah, it, it helped them grow up really fast. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then did they get to see the twins? Did they go to UCSF with you? 
Um, they got to actually, they came down um, for a visit when I was still pregnant with the twins and they were actually getting ready to go home when they ended up needing to induce labor. And so they were, they got to see um, the babies after they were born. Um, Matea got to see the babies. Genevieve um, refused to um, put a mask on. So she didn't go into the um, the NICU and get to see the babies, but Matea did. Nice. Yeah. Did, did she, um, do you feel like she got some good closure? She got to see the intended parents and Yeah, she got to, yeah, she, mm-hmm, she got to see them um, getting held with the dads and everything. And um, she gave me big hugs. Oh, that's really yeah. sweet. Yeah. And, and Genevieve to this day still says that that's one of the biggest regrets that she has is she didn't put the mask on. Oh, she was so little though. She didn't. Yeah, know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And what about your husband? Do you feel like he connected with the baby or was it really different than when you carried your own when you were pregnant? You know, he, he, um, he was really, really supportive through the whole pregnancy um, and wonderful through all of it. Um, and he was really connected with the, with the dads as well. And after the, um, after they moved me into the um, delivery room, he was actually uh, holding one of my legs and um, one of the nurses was holding the other one. And um, they were high-fiving each other, and they were just super excited about it. And he actually um, got to visit them a couple of times in the NICU while I was um, still in recovery. Mm-hmm. And um, he was fine to leave that, um, the next day when we, when we left the hospital. But that was one of the hardest things I've ever had to do, was leave the hospital without the babies. Mm. It was just because that whole void of carrying the twins that long and then not having babies when you leave. Yeah, sure. It was really hard. Yeah. And so how did you fill that hole? Um, With my girls. Yeah. Yeah. With my girls and spending time with my family. Yeah. And then also having lots of conversations with the dads and um, checking in on them and also being able to pump for them. Mm-hmm. And, um, um, that gave me some, some closure as well to be able to, um, to help them, um, become strong and healthy. That's wonderful. So, it's good. You could yeah. use that as part of your closure. I think that's a huge piece to being a surrogate. You have these babies oh, yeah. or a baby and then yeah. they're gone and you need that closure. Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. And I think ultimately that's what ended up making me decide that I wanted another one. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. So, yeah. And I can't imagine my life without our little Cora. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. My most difficult child. (laughs) Full force. (laughs) Oh yeah, definitely. She's a force to be reckoned with. That's for sure. Well, Heather, I am so thankful that you are willing to share your story, and um, I know everybody else is too, so thank you so much. It was my pleasure. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing. Thank you.